remember something negative that was said to you or about you when you were a child? Do you ever wonder if the words you say to your own children might have that same effect when they're grown? Could you use some words of encouragement about how to tame your tongue to avoid this curse of words? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of from other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I just love waking up in the morning, curling up in my comfy chair with a warm cup of coffee and reading the daily news. Did you just tense up? Because I did. Honestly, I sense myself wanting to avoid the news at all costs and shield my children from it as well. But what if there was a better way to be informed without being disheartened? Well, that's exactly what I love about the world and everything in it. This podcast from World News Group is my favorite source for current events because I can get sound journalism from a Christian worldview without the hysteria, the chaos, and the stress. As one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs, they deliver essential headlines, field reporting, interviews, and expert analysis every weekday. Search for The World and Everything in It wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there, Katie. I know you have been uh, very much looking forward to this episode for a while since our guest today is actually your pastor. And I'm looking forward to it as well because I've listened to him preach. I've heard him um, share uh, some very insightful things on many topics. And so I know that our listeners are going to be as blessed as we will be today. So, Katie, why don't you do the honors of introducing um, him to our listeners? Sure. This is our second episode with Pastor. Well, actually, Doctor, Pastor Doctor J. Josh Smith. I forgot that part because I've never actually heard him use that prefix publicly. But I really don't prefer that. <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> but Josh has been the senior pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church since 2018. He and his gorgeous wife Andrea have four daughters and one son. Josh is the author of Preaching for a Verdict the Titus 10, and co-author of the Psalm 1-50 through volume in the Christ-Centered Exposition series. Josh received his Doctor of Ministry in Expository Preaching from the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And as Ginger mentioned, Josh is also my pastor, so if y'all could keep him in your prayers for that. Uh, My (laughs) husband actually asked me the other day, do you feel like you have something you need to say to Josh every single Sunday after church? And I was like, absolutely, I do. I always have something I need to say to Josh. <laughs> so Josh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be doing this with you all. Well, Josh, it is such an honor to have you back on our show to talk about this topic. Uh, Katie has sent me several of your sermons in the past, and my husband and I have 
we've just been so blessed and so encouraged uh, by your gift of preaching. It does make me wonder, though, if Katie is doing that thing that preachers always warn people about, you know, <laughs> listening to the sermon and thinking, well, so-and-so really needs to hear this. <laughs> so Katie's always sending me. I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. Katie and I do love to share what the Lord is teaching us both through our churches and our individual walks with the Lord. So it's all good. Keep them coming, Katie. <laughs> Um, on our last episode together, uh, you offered, Josh, encouragement to our dad listeners, as well as the moms out there who want to know how to raise godly boys into godly men. And listeners, if you didn't catch that episode, please go back and listen. It was episode 126. And as always, we'll have Heather link to that in our show notes. But it was it was just incredibly insightful, encouraging. I was, it, it was mainly I think geared more toward men, but I'm telling you, I myself, mm-hmm. was I was just so challenged and so encouraged. And so you guys go back and listen to that. I, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Well, while I was preparing for our last episode together, I was reading Josh's book called The Titus 10, Foundations for Godly Manhood. And Josh, I came across the chapter called Identity, and I was immediately struck by the story you told in the opening paragraphs of that chapter. So can you share that story with us briefly and then tell us why you chose to open that chapter with that particular story? Yeah, sure. So uh, I was a young pastor and I was looking for some uh, people to invest in my church. And I invited my uncle, whose name is Tom Elliff. And I was really excited about having him come preach for us. And I had all these big visions of things that he would do and things he would say. And right before he got up, I said, what are you going to preach on? And he said, breaking the curse of words. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound super exciting. Uh, and then he got up and he talked uh, a little bit from Proverbs eighteen twenty one, life and death and the power of the tongue, but mainly from James three ten, which says, out of our mouth comes blessing and curse. And he began to talk about five statements that he had heard throughout his life, statements that started with things like, you will never be, or you are just like your, or you always. And he said that there are certain statements that he heard that have stayed with him for years and really became a curse on him, like this repetitive thing in his mind. So after the service, uh, a man, I, I, I know his name, I can picture him right now, came up to me and said, I want to tell you a story. He said, I was raised in a small uh, church and we didn't have instruments. We just used our voices. This man at this point was probably in his early 80s. And he said, when I was five or six years old, I was in church and I was singing just like everybody else. And a lady turned to me and told me I had, didn't have a very good singing voice. And he said, I haven't sung in church since. I could not believe it. So here is uh, some woman who just carelessly, thoughtlessly said something to him. And for 75 years, he has not sung in church. Well, that's the curse of words. And the reason I started my chapter on identity about this is because I really want to help uh, people understand their identity in Jesus Christ. But your identity is normally formed by you are statements. You are this. And often those are good ones, but often they're really bad ones. And the problem is is that most of us have heard a ton of you are statements that are not true, and yet they've defined us. And that's a curse. Yeah. It is. Uh, talking about singing, I am, I don't even sound good in the shower. You know, everybody <laughs> thinks they sound good in the shower. I have it. That's why I'm thankful for that verse that says, make a joyful noise. noise. Right. Uh, I, make, I can make a noise. <laughs> but the Lord, He loves when we praise Him, even when He hasn't blessed us with a great voice. We use whatever voice He has given us to praise Him in all things. 
Um, Josh, I was so intrigued when Katie mentioned an episode about the curse of words, because I don't think there's a person on earth who would say that they have never experienced the curse of someone else's words. And sadly, it's often those closest to us uh, who have the most negative impact in this way. So Josh, since this is a parenting podcast, can you offer some encouragement and maybe even admonishment to parents who find it difficult to hold their tongues, uh, especially on those days when our children are pushing all of our buttons? Yeah. Well, one of the encouragements should be from James 3, which basically says, who can tame this thing? Like who can, who has found the ability to tame the tongue? It's this raging fire and an entire forest can be set ablaze by one little spark. And so I think just this realization that this is, this is hard for everyone. This is, this is really complicated. And I think we need to think more about it because the worst thing is, is not thinking about this and just talking and not realizing that almost every word we say is either putting a blessing or a curse. Mm -hmm. And so I just think living, first of all, with that awareness that a one statement can be defining. And, you know, I think that can be discouraging, but at the same time, it needs to be aware. Like we just need to be aware of the power of this and live with this. And then just kind of be slower to speak sometimes. Um, you know, there is something there to being more thoughtful with our words. I was talking to a family recently that were talking about their pastor and how much they love their pastor. And they said, sometimes you'll talk to, they said, sometimes we'll talk to our pastor and he'll pause for so long. We think that he's having like a, mo- a dementia moment or something. <laughs> like we don't know what's going on, but he's thinking. Mm. And I thought, boy, that's a, something I need to learn. Mm. Um, but you know, th- that James 3 talks about the fact that all of these words are coming from our heart. And one of the things that I think I've discovered in my own life and just ministering to parents and men is that we tend to take out our frustrations with ourselves on our children. So oftentimes the words that come out of our mouth are not really about them, they're about us. So we are frustrated, we are irritable, we're disappointed, we're bitter and resentful. And that just comes out. And you can't hide it from coming out. Everything in the heart is going to come out. And so I think for me, the, the, the goal is to, to be cultivating a purer heart, a heart that is dealing with these things myself, some of the maybe curses that I have on myself, some of these cursive words, so that my talk that's coming out of my heart is, is more healthy and more of a blessing. I think often about Proverbs ten nineteen because I'm... Mm quite a talker <laughs> and I process things out loud often, but Proverbs ten nineteen says when words are many transgression is not lacking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as someone who uses a lot of words that, that comes to mind. But Josh, when I read the story about the, uh, from that chapter of your book, there was a story that came to my mind and I can hear my parents tensing up right now, but I promise not to embarrass y'all without explicit permission. Um, <laughs> but this story is actually about an American missionary who came to the United Kingdom when Uh, My husband and I were living there and this man and his wife were visiting and I spent an entire day driving them all over England. I mean, I took them to visit other church members, probably a bunch of other things I can't remember. I took them on base and showed them around. And I just felt like we had this lovely day riding around the English countryside and talking together. And later that evening, the husband said something to me that I have never forgotten. He turned to me and he said, whew, you could make a cup of coffee nervous. (laughs) And I laughed because he's probably right. Um, I don't even really know what that means, but 
you know, I wasn't hurt because it takes a lot more than that to offend me. But I have to say that for a person who forgets just about everything, I have never forgotten that statement. And that was, Mm -hmm. I think, 15 years ago. Well, Katie, and, you know, I don't want to add to your trauma here, <laughs> but in that missionary's defense, you can be a wee bit high strung sometimes. This is true. This is but true. the good thing in your defense is that you don't halfway do anything. <laughs> Once you set your mind to doing something, you are all in, and that is a strength of yours. I'm sure you gave those missionaries the best tour of their lives, <laughs> even if they did think you were on speed. Well, I have never tried speed, and I'm really scared to think what might happen if I did. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. But. But Katie, I know you're not alone in remembering mm. something that was said years ago that still rings in your head today after all those years. Josh, I imagine that's one of the reasons you and your family have a rule about, uh, you already mentioned that, the you are statement. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think when I started to discover this a lot just in my own life, and one of the things that happened to me is uh, after a very, very difficult time just in our family um a, a doctor friend of ours, a staff member, and my mother in the same week said to me, while I'm a pastor, have you ever thought about seeing a counselor? Yeah. Well, that kind of humbles you. So yeah. all of them said that. And so one of the things the counselor said is, I want you for the next week to write down the phrases that you say to yourself or the words you call yourself all the time. Well, I thought this was, I'd never even thought about this. And what I realized was there was a bunch of them. And there were a lot of you are ones, like even just for me, I can't, I couldn't tell you how many times a day the words came out like out of my mouth when I was alone, you're such an idiot. Like, it's so funny, but it's strange, but that's like, it was coming out all of the time. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I started to think about these you are statements. And so one of the things like we say to our kids is it is, it is okay to say you are being annoying. That's an okay thing to say. (laughs) But that's different than saying you are annoying. Mm -hmm. That actually is a difference because a you are statement defines you. This is this is going directly to the core of who you are. And so all of us are annoying. And sometimes you need to say to your sibling, what you're doing right now is bothering us. But the you are statements are what I want to be careful of because immediately they put some sense of identity there. And I think about Matthew 5, just Jesus saying, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. Uh, those you are statements just just form us and fill us and can deeply bless us. All of Ephesians chapter one are these blessings of who we are because of our union with Christ. And so I do, I want our family to be careful with you are statements. I want the you are statements to be ones that bring blessing and not a curse. Mm. I don't, I don't want, they're all going to see a counselor at some point because (laughs) all of us probably need to. But I'm hoping that we can avoid some of that with being a little careful in those statements. Yeah, that makes me think about too, Katie, we talked about this on an episode recently, that when our kids are caught in sin, we need to be Mm. careful in how we even address that. So not when when they're just being annoying, but we talked about, uh, you know, when a child lies, you don't want to say, you are a liar, mm-hmm. because in saying that, you're labeling them a liar. Instead, we would want to say something like, you know, sweetheart, you told a lie, but you are not a liar. That is not who you are. You are a forgiven child of God, and because of His grace and His mercy in your life, you can walk in truth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that's, that's just such good encouragement there, Josh. Well, and speaking of counseling, something that I that was pointed out very lovingly to me while my husband and I were in biblical counseling together is that I 
maybe I'm fond of hyperbole, but I use words like always and never Mm -hmm. quite often in my speech. And so it's something I catch myself doing often. I I don't want to say you always do this because no one always, you know, the only person we can attribute always and never to is God. Um, You know, the only eternal one. So, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate, Josh, that you take that approach with your family, you know, the you are statements and making sure that those are blessings rather than curses. Um, I want to talk a bit more about the practical side of helping our children identify themselves in light of God's word. And I want to choose my words very carefully here because I have friends and family who have been through 12-step programs and had success in those. But something that has always bothered me about the 12-step model for Christians specifically is that it seems to put a great deal of focus on identity, but not on necessarily finding our identity specifically in Jesus Christ. So I understand that 12-step programs will often mention a higher power or God as you understand him, but I've observed that the encouragement is for an addict to find their identity in being a recovering person and not a redeemed one. So even the names of these organizations are interesting, like Name Your Addiction Anonymous. Uh, The way we identify ourselves matters, and the names we call ourselves matter. So Josh, how can we as parents encourage our children not to be identified by a disorder, an addiction, an emotion, a sin, or negative character trait? That's a really good question. And and one of the things I think about is um, I think churches can often unintentionally do in a negative way exactly what you're talking about. So that, you know, obviously there was years ago this this kind of idea that everybody that walks in church is okay and we all act okay and we wear our mask and all that kind of stuff. And so I think the response to that was, no, we're a church of the broken and we're a church everybody's messed up and we're all idiots and da, da, da. And I think that became the theme. But what I discovered is there's a lot of churches that that's actually their identity. Like their identity is we're the broken. Mm. We're the dysfunctional. We're the church for the broken. And so all you hear, and I get the sentiment. The sentiment is we don't wear masks. We're more authentic. But if you're not careful, you can make your brokenness your identity. And mm. I think it's exactly what you're saying. And churches do this a lot. And so uh, we, you know, we are broken, but we're really, if we're in Christ, we're the put back together. Like God is putting us back together and there's so much better to say we're the redeemed. We're, I mean, we're pure and holy and righteous in the sight of a holy God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So like uh, my constant theme as a pastor doesn't need to be we're all broken. Uh, My theme needs to be that, man, we are the redeemed people of God. And so I think the same thing happens in a home. Um, We have to talk about sin. We have to talk about brokenness. But we do want to be careful uh, to not make the theme all of the the negative. And I would say I have one, uh, my son, my youngest son, I'm going to say this because he's probably not listening to your (laughs) Had a parent podcast. Oh, come yet. on, Josh. I, I know. Think he might probably... be. I don't know. He's seven. I think when he's eight or nine, I'm sure he'll start. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think he tends to be super aggressive and he's super fun, but he's just he's he's all the time, right? He's out. And so I think sometimes it's 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 easy to get uh, to get frustrated with that and to want to say, man, you're you're a mess. Like you're just whatever. And man, those little words, if you say those a few times, you're so hyper. You're such a mess. Um and I think those are the light ones. I mean, I think mm-hmm. parents would say, man, you're such a pain. You're, you know, you bother everybody. Like you, you don't get, man, that is just, those stuff are just that what that's doing is that's forming your identity in your brokenness, not in who is, is that God wants you to be. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I would say just to parents, I think what a parent has to be careful to do is make sure that in their own mind, 
they're not identifying their child in that way. So if you think something about your child, even if it's deep and you and your wife only talk about it when the door is closed and that's so deep inside of your heart, you will tend to communicate that even by the way that you act uh, and respond. So I have this little principle. um, I have lots of little random principles for parenting, but they talk about, people always talk about their kids got easier. I don't think kids got easier. Like when they were born, like second born is easier than the first when they're babies, those kind of things. Well, parents get easier. Kids don't get easy. Every baby's the same, but a parent gets more relaxed at the third one, right? So we're not super uptight. And I think the reality is a baby feeds off of the emotions of mom and dad. So mom and dad are super uptight, baby's uptight. Mm-hmm. I think our kids are feeding off of our emotions as well. And so I think these little things that we have in our mind about my child is bound by anxiety or worry. And well, then we tend to treat them like they're bound by worry and anxiety as opposed to being aware of that and sensitive to that, but approaching them in a more positive manner. Mm-hmm. Well, if I could piggyback on that, Ginger, this is what I love about the wise words from mom's chart and how when we're addressing sin in the hearts of our kids, we identify the behavior, we ask heart probing questions, we talk Mm -hmm. about what the Bible says to put off, but most importantly, we then talk about what the Bible says to put on. What are we, what is the admonishment? What is the encouragement? You know, we've done the admonishment. What do we encourage them to do going forward? What behavior do we replace it with? And I think Josh, that's what you mean is that we're, you know, we're not identifying you are this sin, but this is what's happened and this is what we can do instead. Well, yeah, and I think at the very core of my heart as a parent saying, this is a this is a, a human being perfectly woven by God with very distinct parts of his personality, mostly coming from me and mom anyway. <laughs> and there's but this is a gift, deeply broken like all of us do, but perfectly woven. And to be able to see the positives of that and treasure those things and acknowledge as anyone, Ginger, you know uh, so well, that thing that bothers you the most is probably going to be the thing that makes them the greatest. Mm-hmm. So see the positive side of that and affirm it and love it, but just don't keep harping on that, those negative traits. Mm-hmm. Amen. Have your kids ever come to you with math homework and asked for your help only for you to realize you did a mathematical brain dump the day you graduated high school? Well, I have great news for you parents. Whether you're homeschooling or helping your kids with their math homework after school, CTC Math is an invaluable resource. They have video tutorials and summaries that are concise and really engaging while still fully covering the subject matter. It's like having your own personal math tutor accessible at any time. I have so many favorite things about CTC Math, but just to name a few, I get extensive reports and summaries of my kids' progress. We have access to CTC Math's entire catalog of lessons, not just per grade level, as many online math programs do. And finally, there is a 365-day money-back guarantee, literally no questions asked. If you or your kids need some extra help with math, go to ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial. Again, that's ctcmath.com. Uh, you know, Josh, something you mentioned in that uh, same chapter that Katie just referenced um, in your book on identity is that those who do not know their true identity 
get into a cycle of comparing and coveting and competing. And I know you wrote that book specifically for men, but can you bring it into a, a, a parenting perspective for us? And I know you've, you've done that somewhat, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Do you believe that children who struggle to understand their identity according to God's will will struggle with those same issues of comparing, coveting, and competing? Sure. I would say every child's going to struggle with this, period. Uh, if they don't start at some point as probably early teens to start to figure out real identity in Christ, it's going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I say this thing, I actually said it on Sunday, uh, that our sins when we're younger don't get better when we're older. They get bigger mm-hmm. when they're old, when we're older if we don't deal with them. So I, one of the things I've noticed is every every person deals with this, right? These comparing, competing, coveting. I, th- I think I've discovered in my kids, I have four daughters and one son, that the girls are struggling with this at a younger age because they're more emotionally in tuned. Mm-hmm. You know, boys when they're 12 and 13 are still just, you know, they don't, they're not caring as much yet about what they look like. And, but man, girls at seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old are really worried about what they're looking like and how they're dressing. And um, this is deep. So we're kind of pre-wired to compare, to covet, and to compete. And um, I think a lot of that, too, is fed by moms and dads who do this. So I'm going to keep going back to this idea of our emotional health and and how that affects our kids and the things we're actually thinking and feeling affects our kids. But if you've got a mom who deep in her soul is coveting and comparing constantly and competing with everyone – there's no question that's going to affect the child. Mm. I mean, I, be, because oh, I got so many examples of this, I'm not sure I can share. But um, <laughs> I, so a mom that's constantly competing is going to use her child as a part of the competition. She's going to use her child as a part of the comparing. And she's going to be so obsessed with what her child wears and what her child does, all because she's constantly comparing and competing. I just, just the other day, one of my daughters uh, told me she was having this little competition with another girl at school about who could collect um, a certain number of these certain stuffed animals or whatever. And she goes, dad, I got to get more of these for my birthday because she's got one on me. And I just thought, I didn't say anything, but I just thought, yeah, we're not playing that. (laughs) We're not going to buy more of this so you can beat this girl in how many of these things uh, uh, that they have. So um, I just, so I, you know, I do get concerned that there's this, this constant repetition Competitive feeling of every time I walk in a room, I'm comparing myself to everybody else. Every time I go to somebody else's house, I compare their house to mine. I compare kids, and I'm competing in some subtle ways. And if that's in a parent's heart, oh boy, that's going to affect a, that's going to affect a child's heart as well. That's so I right. just think this desire to keep speaking that these things don't matter and who we are in Christ. That's right, and and, and they are really watching our example. They are. They're watching. Are we comparing? Right. What what message are we sending them? Katie and I refer often to that uh, verse in Luke that says, you know, we're all teachers of our kids. They're watching us, which means we are their teachers. And that verse mm. in Luke says, when the student is fully trained, he will be like mm. his teacher. Which is a very so, humbling verse. It is. For a homeschool really mom is. especially, yeah. Because they're with humbling. us all the time. They're watching yeah. us all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, Josh, after listening to a different interview you did on this book, you mentioned that every child wants to hear what Jesus heard from his father after he came up from the 
baptismal waters. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And you talked about grown men with families of their own who are suffering still because they didn't hear words like this from their own parents. Children need to hear, you're mine, Mm -hmm. I love you, and I'm pleased with you. So Josh, you model this every Sunday from the pulpit when you say, I love you, and I love being your pastor. And now my youngest uh, says to me, mom, I love you. And I love being your son. <laughs> He's our little Aww. mini Josh. Ginger, do you remember I posted on Instagram where Grayson actually dressed up like Josh one Wednesday night <laughs> yes. because they told the kids to dress like what they want to be when they grow up. And it was the cutest thing. We, he it got was kind of cute. I didn't appreciate the bald wig. He got but a bald cap. And, <laughs> the bald and, cap. Yeah, that was a little discouraging. So I, I will flattered. tell you this. That was the one thing that gave me pause. I was like, this could go really well. <laughs> it was great. It could go really bad. It was great. But he got some little round glasses and we made him a microphone out of a pipe cleaner and an earplug, one of those little foam earplugs. So I'll put that picture in the show notes so our listeners can see it because it was just so sweet. But he walked around that whole evening going, I love you and I love being your pastor. Um, That's great. But Josh, I think most of us would be really comfortable telling our kids that we love them and that they are ours. You know, I love you. I love being your mom. But maybe there are some who are hesitant to tell their kids that they're pleased with them because they don't want them to become prideful or to strive to please their parents more than they want to please the Lord. And while fear of man is something for sure we all need to caution our kids about, do you think it's important or why do you think it's important for us to emphasize how pleased we are with our children? Sure. I, I want to answer that. I want to go back to the, you know, I, I do say that phrase at the end of every service, I love you and I love being your pastor. And the reason, one reason I do is because I said that one time and got an email from, and I'm going to take this to parenting. I got an email from uh, a college girl saying, my entire life, the church I grew up in, I always thought our pastor hated to be a pa- being a pastor because he talked about how hard it was oh. and how difficult and how much suffering. And what I realized is this, most people I think feel that because the pastor feels that, but I want our church to know, I love this job and I love you. And let me just say that about parenting. Mm. I think our kids often think that we think this is the worst job in the world. Like, oh, this is so hard, and I'm so tired, and this is a pain, and I never get time to myself. Mm -hmm. And I just think letting our kids know, I love being your parent. This is the best. Mm -hmm. And then all the other stuff we can talk about later. But I I just think they need to hear that. They need to hear that, I love being your parent. I think some kids would be shocked if their parents said, I love being your parent. This is great because I think we just feed them this, this is so hard and you're a burden. Well, and, and even if we don't that. say it to them, Josh, I mean, they're going to be able to read on social media they, eventually when it's like, how many more <laughs> days till back to school so I can get these demons out of my home? I mean, that's kind of yeah. the message. We're even joking. Yeah. And I know people are lighthearted and joking, but I mean, it, are we conveying that with our attitude toward them that I am so ready to be done with you right now? I, I think one of the themes of this conversation, which was unintentional, I think has become like our emotional health is really determining Mm. and what's going on in our heart and mind is affecting our children. Mm -hmm. So if we have these curses on our lives, that affects the way we speak to our children and if we covet and compare. But I think this is true too. If deep inside of our heart, we feel like parenting's a beating, like this is the worst. I can't do this anymore. Like they're going to feel that. There's no question they're going to feel that. We're going to communicate that in the kitchen and at the table and when we're making lunches, like this is going to come out. So I just, I would say that from the, from that, just that, that tone. And this is why I go back to the baptism of Jesus and, and say that what, what, what Jesus got from his father in that moment was acceptance, affirmation, and affection. So you are my 
So I, I, I accept you. You're my beloved um, kind of affection in whom I am well-pleased affirmation. So I just think that when it comes to this idea of you don't want your kids to constantly be striving to please you, my, my intention in saying that is the opposite, that I'm just super glad you're my kid and I love you being my kid and I'm proud of you. I don't care what you do. Like I'm not proud of you because you did this. I'm just really glad you're my kid. I mean, this is before the ministry of Jesus. He hadn't just done 15 miracles and then God said, man, I'm so proud of you for doing that. That was, that was awesome. This was before all of that. And I, you know, I had this little thing. My daughter was the lead in a big play uh, not too long ago and she did incredible. And then I found myself though, not knowing how to compliment her because I didn't want to say, I'm so proud of you and her to immediately think I'm proud because she did a good job on the play because I'm proud of her if she bombed in the play. I don't care. I just love her. Like, I'm not proud because she, and this is the thing, if we've got this competition in our hearts, we don't want children, we want trophies. Mm -hmm. So we want to have something that makes us look good. And so I want her to know that I'm just fired up that I've got her as my kid, even if she bombed or not, like, I don't care. I just... She's awesome and I love her. And so that's the kind of feel I want to get that I love you and I'm proud of you. I'm glad that you're mine. And so I have this little thing with Josiah at night. He's seven and he loves me to put him to bed and we read stories and talk about stuff. And <laughs> But every night I say this, I say, hey, man, I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm so glad you're my son. And sometimes I'll forget to say it and he'll say, dad, tell me those things. Aww. <laughs> and so like, I would say this, uh, a girl or a boy, any kid that does not grow up with that sense of feeling that their parent loves them, they're proud of them, and they're glad that they're there. They're not embarrassed of them. They're just glad they're your kid. That leaves a massive hole in any kid's heart. Mm -hmm. And I think the father looked at the son and said, I know you need these three things, and I'm giving them as a gift to you. And Josh, I wonder if that's so much of the identity issues and why we address identity in this episode. The identity issues we're seeing in our culture yeah. Because children aren't hearing from their parents what they yes. need to hear to have that secure identity in Christ and in Absolutely. their family, in their family life. Right. Yeah. Parents are spending some parents spending too much time finding their their identity mm -hmm. in their kids yeah. instead of right. teaching their kids who their identity should be in, mm -hmm. which is who is Christ. Yeah. And I appreciate that perspective, Josh. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Josh. So what do you have for us today, Josh? This is my parenting principle. It's the roller coaster principle. So I have four daughters and one son. And what I have discovered is my kids are riding an emotional roller coaster and they don't even know they're doing it. Mm. They're just existing. I have three teenage girls in my house right now. It's awesome. I love it. And so they're just riding this roller coaster all of the time. And they can be super happy and they can be super sad and they can love you and they can not love you so much. And my principle is this. As a parent, you just can't get on the ride with them. Mm. You just can't ride that emotional roller coaster. So I had a daughter who would just elevate and I would elevate, right? And then mm. she'd get down and I would get down. And I thought, you know, I've got to stay on the ground and I've got to be this consistent, steady force in her life. And I'm not overreacting uh, to the ups and the downs. That's my parenting principle oh. of the roller coaster. Mm, very good. Really mm -hmm. good. <sighs> Well, listeners, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. 
Well, Josh, once again, we are so incredibly thankful to have you uh, come back and join us again today. I know our listeners are going to want to know more about you. Guys, I mentioned on this episode that my husband and I have listened to some of Josh's sermons. They're just the stuff you heard today. That's what his uh, congregation hears every Sunday. So go listen to his Mm -hmm. sermons. Uh, So, Josh, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, your books, and where they can go and listen to some of your sermons? Sure. We're at Prince Avenue Baptist Church. And so if you go to pabc.org, you can find out how to contact me there. You can send me an email. Uh, also, all of our sermons are all, all there as well. Um, the uh, There's a, a website called the Titus 10 that has information on the books and is soon going to have some short videos on how to teach through that and understand that. Uh, and all the books are available on Amazon as well. So. Well, and I'll tell you, listeners, you already have heard about Josh because I quote him an embarrassing number of times on this podcast. (laughs) We're currently walking through Proverbs, and it's just been a huge blessing. So, listeners, if you want to go and uh, listen to those, it has um, just—it's been such a joy. I love expository preaching, and I especially have enjoyed that series with Josh. So, we will— Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah. So we'll definitely have Heather put links to all of this information in the show notes so you can find Josh and uh, what the work he's doing and his sermons. Josh, for those parents who uh, might be concerned that they've already blown it, maybe they've said something that has deeply wounded their child already and they're very discouraged about that, can you leave those listeners with a final word of encouragement? Yes, just tell your kids that. Mm. Uh, apologize to your kids. Tell them that you've blown it and ask them to forgive you. Uh, just look at them and say, I spoke in a way that wasn't right. I'm really sorry. I, I, I don't want to say those kind of things. I love you. I just, I think some of the greatest memories your kids can have uh, of you is when they look back and remember you apologizing <laughs> and owning your deficiencies. thank you so much, Josh. And thank you, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, we would love for you to leave us a rating or a review. This actually does help us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. You can find our show notes, which include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can also find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently. 
And each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.